from Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions. You gotta catch the wolf, and it takes a wolf to catch a wolf, you understand? All right, listen to me. Impersonated a soul. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not the fucking rat. Son, this is the game. I'm playing his ass. That's my job. We tell lies. Some of us lie about who we are, intentionally to deceive others. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market have you ever lied about your name before yep the first one was um, Kevin Hunter, was my first undercover ID. Covert operations require skilled liars, people who are willing to deceive others, to gain trust with the intent to betray. Arguably the largest deployment of these techniques is in the global war on drugs. Men and women posing as users and dealers at every level to try to interrupt operations. It's a dangerous, stressful job and it's not always clear what impact it's having on the drug trade or on individual agents. For those who lie for a living, what is the long-term effect of their deception? We got a tip about one former undercover agent, a self-professed adrenaline junkie who loved undercover work but lost his badge and was kicked off the force and is now a convicted felon. His real name is Lawan, but he's asked us not to use his last name out of concern for his safety. He started working in narcotic operations in Arkansas in the late 90s and frequently worked undercover throughout his police career. He told me that he took his first undercover name from a real person, a kid he was friends with. My best friend's name was Kevin Hunter. So it was something that I was familiar with that I would never forget. And that's the main thing. It has to be a name that... If somebody called it, you got to be familiar enough with it to answer to it or at least to look in response to it. As a kid hanging out on city corners in Newark, he heard about undercover cops and understood how hard it was for them to pass undetected. You know, when you meet somebody new, they automatically the police. You know, these are things you do to tell if they the police. You know, give them this joint, see if they hit the joint. Police can't smoke dope, you know. So in the 90s, when he first did undercover work, I roll up in my undercover car, burning a blunt. They used to sell weed in the back of High Times that had no THC in it, and I buy that stuff by the ounces through the mail. It looks like it, smells like it, 
And when somebody asked to hit it, I never let them. I'm like, I don't smoke behind nobody and I don't drink behind nobody. Do you remember what your first impression of Luan was? Producer Todd Whitney. Oh, my first impression of Luan. Mm, he definitely seemed like one of those OG dudes. I'm trying to remember. Like, What the, do you mean? That first reporting trip that I had to like go down and see him, he was... Wore like it was almost like a uniform. Like a lot of the black dudes who were like I don't know, forty to like fifty five. Where he just had his like boot cut denim jeans on, a uh, white t shirt that was like a little bit oversized. Like nah, it wasn't like you know me. I'm rocking the stuff that's a little bit tighter. That wasn't him You're at millennial, all. Millennial, my friend. Exactly. We just came at a dip. He had his <laughs> Yankees hat on, and then he was just like yeah, like always polishing his car. Really into like not just any car, but his Cadillac. Oh my god! Right? Totally. So he was reminding me a lot of like my uncle. I joined police department because they would let me carry a gun without going to jail. That's all I was interested in. I loved guns. I loved to shoot. I loved carrying it. I grew up watching SWAT and Miami Vice and Chips. Police was, that's where all the excitement was at. And then when I got undercover, you mean tell me you're going to pay me to be the dope man? Oh, hell yeah. Okay, do yeah. you remember going shooting with him? I remember you picked out a pink target and he yeah. gave you shit for yeah, it. Yeah, shit for that, yep. You gonna go no. with the pink, really? I'm going with the pink, yeah, it's one of the pink. I love the smell of gunpowder. <laughs> but when you, when you in a fire, when you, yeah, when you in a firefight, you can taste it. Nah. <laughs> you can taste it. As an Arkansas state trooper, Luan says he invented one undercover alias who shared his passion for guns. Andre Miller. Yep, I was Andre Miller, and I was the guy that sold guns. That was my cover down there. But I would always price my guns so high that, you know, nobody would buy them. They'd be like, man, we can get it half that price there. I said, yeah, but I sell it to them white boys down there in Georgia. They buy them all day. I said, you a felon. You can't even go to the store and buy it. You got to buy it from me. You know, but, you know, you can always get the guns on the street way so cheaper. You're- your cover story was that you were, like, ripping off these white boys in Georgia? Oh, yeah. With overpriced guns? Overpriced guns, yep. Once they got to knowing that I was the, the man with the guns, you know, after a few weeks of going down there and just partying with them, I'd come and be like, hey, man, look here. I done ran into a problem. I can't. My shipment got lost, got jacked up. I ain't got nothing to sell right now. I might have to put in some work, you know. Can you get me... Uh, half a key or a quarter key. You got to start out something small, but it got to be big enough where it's worth it to them. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got you. And they usually put more money on it. You know, when I can get a quarter key for about 5500 they usually charge me seven or something, and they think they're ripping me off. But, you know, they don't know that. I didn't know they ripping me off. But instead of them saying, why is he paying so much, they just want the money. So... You know, they get me the dope, and from then on, I'm good. Whenever I want to buy from, score from, be like, hey, man, yeah, I got some boys who like what you gave me, man. Let me get another one of those. And, man, they'll, they'll get up off their woman and come to me because they know they're getting extra money. Money turns everything. Nobody ever asked a question, if he got so much money, if he's such a big man, why is he buying dope from me? The feds give you as much money as you can spend as long as you can write a receipt for it. At the time, that was when all the thug movies came out, deep cover. 
New Jack City, all that kind of stuff. And what I was seeing on the movie screen, I said, I'm living this for real. I do this for a living. Even though his identity was utter fiction, the stakes were very real. But I was more scared of messing up my cover to forget about it. Like I said, you know, most of the time I was by myself, and I knew if I jacked up any part of my story that it wasn't going to go well for me. Luan showed us the cash receipts he wrote up for Department Records. He says the way it worked is as part of a task force, sometimes across several states, working together for a defined period, six months, 18 months, he'd concoct a cover, like this Andre Miller story, and use it to get in with a crew and then work his way around, buying ever larger amounts of crack, meth, cocaine. The stress of being on alert all the time, of remembering who you said you were and who might know you, that hasn't stopped, even though Luan hasn't been a cop for well over a decade. You know, do, you, do you still carry a gun with you wherever you go? Absolutely. Everywhere I go, I'm sitting here looking at an Uzi now. Luan's talked to Todd about his fears. I'm always watching my back because I don't remember everybody I done locked up. You think somebody might come up on you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a matter of time. A lot of the people that I have locked up are now reentering society. You know, them 10, 15, 20 years is done, and they're coming back out. Yeah, Juan had told me that... Me and my girlfriend, we had... One time he had been in a Walmart. Doing our little honeydew shop or whatever. They were in line waiting to, like, go check out. And I could hear somebody in the back. Andre? Saying Andre. Is that Andre? Andre Miller. Automatically, my my body just tenses up and it, and it, and it tingles. And then... And I, I look over my left shoulder because I'm putting my right hand behind my back. He's reaching for his gun and he hears... That's Dre. That's Dre. He, he looked at me and he said, yeah, that's Dre. I think he did the math. And I look at the guy. All right, like... Heavy set black guy. He's probably... He might be out by this moment. Probably my age, 40, 44, 45. And then as I'm looking at him, he said, yeah, that's Dre while we're looking at each other. He has dark glasses on, so I can't see his eyes. He makes no movement, doesn't say anything else. He'd always, like, prepared his partner for this, a moment like this of being like, we need to go, we need to go. So I take Nikki by the wrist and pull her out of line, and we're walking, and she's saying, what are you doing? Where are we going? She says, stop playing. What are we doing? I said, do you remember when I told you sometimes just don't say nothing? If I tell you to come, just come on. And she's like, oh, my God, what's going on? So we get outside. I turn around, and I look back at this guy. He's still standing in line. He never got out of line. He didn't say anything else to me. He didn't make any gestures towards me. He just said, yeah, that's Dre. And that was enough for me. Because, unfortunately, if he had made a movement that I felt uncomfortable with, I would have shot him in there. And that would have changed the whole dynamic of this whole conversation now. But that's the kind of thing that I always worry about happening. Because I don't know who that guy is, or I don't recognize him, but he damn sure knew me, and he knew me from when I was a cop, because nobody here knows Andre. Nikki, his girlfriend at the time, confirmed that story with me. His life has changed quite a lot since his undercover days. When we met him, wasn't he driving an Uber? He was driving for Uber. Yeah, that's what he told me. 
that is entirely encapsulates. Okay, uh, really? <laughs> my experience with Juan, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I... knowing what Luan did for a living, it affects how you think of him. All of his relationships suffer the consequences of that fact. While he was a cop, he'd been married. And at the time, I was, my marriage was still young, and I was always away, you know, and because she knew what I did for a living, you know, it's always uh, a thing where, you know, when I'm away, what are you doing? You know, how can I believe you? You lie for a living, you know, type stuff. Uh, that got to be getting on your nerves a little bit. But, yeah, it, it, it was kind of depressing because you get to the point where you really don't have any friends because everybody you hang with, you know it's going to come to an end sooner or later. Yeah, that has to be incredibly isolating. It, it is. And, you know, you really can't, you don't have any buddies besides other police officers that, you know, you can vent to which you can't hang out with because that's the last thing you want to do is be caught at a cop bar or hanging out with a cop. Did you like some of the guys that you were you were meeting, those, those dealers? I liked uh, a lot of the guys that I was meeting. A lot of these people here, I sat at the table and ate with their family. You know, my kid was bouncing on your knee and everything, and you've been the police all this time. He's got a big file folder of arrest records. He's paging through them. All right, we, let's just pick this one. Um, there's actually two of them involved in this. Uh, uh, both of them were, I guess they thought we were good friends. We would go to the casinos together, you know, gamble together, go to the club out there together, go to Memphis together, and we just hung out like a little crew. And they had a little crew they were part of, um, the Mickey Cobra blood gang that was in Memphis. He spent his waking hours getting close to people in order to send them away. Every joke, every kindness, it was all, in the end, a lie. That betrayal weighed on him. It hurts me to think of all the chances that I took, all the times that I maybe shouldn't still be here, and then... You know, I think of, well, what do I have to show for it now? I got a few pictures. I got some old case files I can read. You know, all the people that I worked on that were my friends at the time, you know, I, <laughs> that would be stupid to try to call them and say, hey, you know, I know I sent you to prison, but you know we used to be pretty good friends. You want to come over to the house and have a drink? You know, <laughs> your, your list of friends are really, really short. This isolation is built into the job, along with the personal risk. And Lawan's not the only one who feels burned by it. Undercover narcotics policing is a global practice. Neil Woods is also a former undercover cop. He's been speaking publicly about what he learned as a cop on Drug Squad in the UK. It started for him early in his career as a police officer when one of his bosses approached him. One day, one of them said to me, um, do you fancy having a go at buying some crack? And uh, I thought, oh, that's a strange question. That's not what I was expecting. Um, but I said, yeah, OK, I'm game. And for the next 14 years, he worked undercover for the drug squad. I think it's clear to say that I, I found my niche within the police. Um, 
whereas I struggled with uniform work at that time, undercover work I took to like a fish to water. I, I really did. And, and I, I have to confess, I loved it as well. I absolutely reveled in it. And what I loved is the intellectual exercise of maintaining a lie. And I enjoyed the manipulation of people. And then I began to, you know, you look at like any job. If, if you find yourself good at it and you're developing skills, then, then, you know, that makes you happy, doesn't it? But there came a turning point. There was an operation I carried out in Northampton. And the local police had had a great success against the local dealers. Okay. So the res- result of that is there's an organised crime group, quite an infamous one, very brutal organised crime group from Birmingham, much bigger city. They came and took over the, they they filled the gap in the market and they took over the heroin and crack cocaine supply. And that's a gang called the Burger Bar Boys. Very notorious for very high profile murders, machine gunning of, of two of two uh, women, all sorts of things. One of them, one of that gang was implicated in seven murders, according to police intelligence. And they'd just taken over which is where I came in. And this gang was using rape as part of their reputation building, just to, just to be the most terrifying gang in town, you know? According to Neil, one standard operating procedure is to start by deceiving someone really low down in the gang into thinking that you're friends, and then just work your way up. Uh, so, for example, I found this couple. She sold this magazine for homeless people we have called The Big Issue, and and he was quite a good shoplifter. So I did. I went shoplifting with him. This shoplifter introduces him to some others and so on. And eventually he gets to the inner circle of the Burger Bar boys. So I got introduced to them and that and that was terrifying because I got taken into this uh, gent's toilets in this snooker club. And um, the, one of them came in, stood in the cubicle and looked over the, over the top. And then four hooded figures came round and just started walking round me in a steady circle. Every so often headbutting me on the side of the ear or punching me in the ribs and all of the time I was being interrogated you know how long I'd known this person how long I'd known this person so that was uh, that was intense but then they said yeah okay what do you want and then I was in at that point I got past that barrier I got the phone number I got to know the names and then I started increasing the amounts I was buying and and gathering evidence of conspiracy against all six of the Burger Bar boys which was you know which was the important thing to do Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. According to Neil, he started wearing a hidden body camera every day to gather evidence. But then one day, something was off. Maybe he'd picked up on some subtle cue that these people he'd infiltrated didn't completely trust him. So one day I didn't wear it. And I'm glad I, I my, my instincts again saved my life because that day they met me, bundled me into this van, took me to this park and told me to strip. And they stripped me naked and showed me a gun, making it quite clear what was going to happen if I didn't. So I was stripped naked in the middle of the day in this park in Northampton, thinking I might, might get killed here. Um, so they, they were vicious. They were genuinely vicious people. By Neil's account, he'd put his life on the line for this operation again and again. At the end of seven months, I know that I'd got every single phone number. I'd met every single person who was involved in that trade in the town. 96 people. 96 people. And I knew there was no one else to meet. No one. I'd got the lot. Anyway, a week after that operation, I spoke to the intelligence guy for that operation. And he says, yep, we managed to interrupt the heroin and crack cocaine supply for a full two hours. And two hours, that's not even enough time for someone to rattle. That's not even enough time for a heroin withdrawal because you need four hours for that. And of course, what happened is Burger Bar Boys rivals in, in Birmingham thought, oh, how wonderful, wonderful. Look what the police have done for us. Put the call in, boys. We've got a massive market to exploit here. We're going to make a killing. You know, and, and you know, I finally realised after years of doing this work that this, just, this is just a farce. It's a complete farce. After that, he began actively wrestling with the ethical weight of his lies. You know, I would leave carnage in my wake he started paying attention to the damage he was doing to all the lives of the people whose trust he had to gain on his way up to those top dogs. People whose lives he had to get to know intimately to do his job. People who were frequently struggling. It, it, it's the ultimate intrusion. I manipulated vulnerable people who needed help, who could have been helped by the government, but instead they were harmed by the agent of the government, and that was me. When I started working undercover, I was really pleased to be able to do something that I believed in. So Neil quit. He was diagnosed with PTSD. He still struggles with guilt. And now he feels like the tables were turned, that he's the one who's been lied to. 
From his experience on the ground, he thinks the policy he was risking his life for was all just a big hoax. The war on drugs as, is an American export around the world based on American domestic racism. Nowhere in the world does policing reduce the size of the market. It has no impact at all. Well, it does have impact because it perpetually makes the market more violent. We spoke with one researcher in Bakersfield, California, to put all this in context. Uh, my name is Devin Kowalczyk. I have a PhD in clinical forensic psychology. Uh, my background has been researching undercover police work. In his research, he's interviewed many former undercover cops, who, like Neil Woods and Lawan, report that when they leave policing, they still can't leave that life behind, in many ways. First of all, there were real ongoing risks for the officer. I mean, after the operation is done, years afterwards, you're going to be the person who did that. And you will be personally responsible for someone's, for someone's jail time or someone's prison time. That person is going to blame you. And it's, it's a possibility that through the course of the court case or afterwards that someone did find out who you really are. What's more, many have a hard time leaving behind the personas they developed in their undercover work. So according to his research, there's one very common result. This fake identity starts to bleed over. Uh, as many as half of all officers who worked undercover have been observed acting out this false persona outside of operational context. So they are whoever this persona is when there is no reason to be. They, they can't stop it. Consider just what we know that we are asking of undercover officers the risks we want them to take. And there are no national training requirements. They're told as little as possible because if they were told really the costs and the consequences, they would have less people signing up. This researcher told us that up to 40% of undercover cops leave the force after working undercover. But he doesn't really know if that's the number. He doesn't know how many undercover cops there are nationally. In fact, he doesn't know all kinds of things. That's because the data itself is undercover. It's behind, you know, department doors. It's behind locked cabinets. And even if you did have access to it, you might be able to look at it. But publishing on this and putting what we know or putting what the department knows out there can be a big no-no. Departments aren't required to report this information. For example, it's very common for undercover cops to get involved in crimes themselves but no one has solid stats on how common. No department, I think, will ever want to admit that now this percentage of officers have become criminals and had to be arrested and had to be released from duty. Which brings us back to Lawan. In 2006, Lawan was convicted in a criminal prosecution. It is a confusing story, so bear with me here. Lawan's wife's cousin was found at the scene of a car accident in possession of Lawan's service weapon. Because of this, Lawan was kicked out of the police force, decertified as a police officer. Lawan told me that his wife's cousin had made a statement. A statement against me as being partners with him running drugs from Texas. They end up charging me with furnishing a prohibited article to a felon, which ruined my career. Nobody would touch me. Nobody would touch me from that point. As a cop, 
He'd been untouchable. But when it was over, without the badge, he felt so vulnerable. But it was hard afterwards, you know, getting used to, okay, I'm not a cop no more. I can't do these things. I can go to jail now. To this day now, out of everything I thought I did, I couldn't get nobody to send me $5 if I asked them for it. Who was he now? I grew up around drug dealers all my life. I mean, it's just something I knew. You know, we knew how to get away from the narcs. So, you know, turning into one wasn't a big change for me. When he was a kid, according to Lawan, he spent a lot of time just on his own, on the street, running away from foster homes. And me and a buddy of mine went and robbed the ice cream factory. We would open up the trucks while they was loading it and take boxes of ice cream. Well, one day, we uh, got caught, and we took off running, and they called the police, and they chased us. And I could see my foster house in that building, and I went to jump over the fence. And when I jumped over the fence, my hands were over my head, and I brought them down, and my elbow, the spike went right through my elbow. And I was stuck there until the fire department came and got me. And the cop was such an asshole to me. You know, I hated cops. Why on earth would a kid who grew up hating cops decide to be one? To understand that, you need to know a little bit about how Luan grew up. Remember that uh, apartment building that I took you to where I used to sleep under this those stairs? Here, I've slept in. That building there I've slept in. And my house is right there on the side of that Yeah, building. under the stairs, that's where I would always sleep. Let's check it out. Damn. It was quiet in the wintertime. It was warm. You know, it, was my, it didn't smell really good in there because most of the people, when they drunk or the bums, that would pissing un, under the stairs. I didn't have such a bad childhood. It wasn't, it wasn't so bad. The thought of a kid that age, all alone, never really feeling safe. I stood there on the street outside that building where he used to run away from his foster care and sleep under the stairs when he was eight. I thought, my kid is eight. I still snuggle her to sleep most nights. He was 12 when he was adopted by a preacher and moved with his new family out to the suburbs. You know, I hated cops, you know, until I was into high school and I did a ride-along my senior year of high school. A family friend let him ride in the front seat. From the front seat of a police cruiser, you get to control when the doors lock, when they open. You also get to carry a gun. After that, Lawan enlisted in the Army and served in Iraq. He moved to Arkansas to be near his wife's family. Not a lot of blacks in where I was at. Then there's no black law enforcement. My military record, I looked good on paper. I think my military record got me in the door. And from there, he went from a small-town city cop to the state police with very little, if any, undercover training. Once I, after I joined the state police, probably... Five, yeah, about six months after I got out of troop school, we were kind of doing doing things within the law, 
we wouldn't break them, but we we'd bend them because we were the only task force in the area. So we kind of made things up as we went. I wonder whether Lawan is particularly skilled at making things up, lying for a living, because that's just who he is naturally. Or was that a survival skill his childhood drilled into him? When I first got adopted, they gave me a choice of what I could change my name. The first name that popped into his mind. Andre was one of the names that I've always liked because... Luan says Andre was a real guy he knew from the streets of Newark. Andre was one of the local dealers that used to give me five bucks to run up to the store for him, you know. So I've always liked that name Andre. Like his undercover gun-dealing persona. How symbolic, I thought. His world broke down between the preacher on one side, the dealers on the other. In the end, he did change his middle and last name to the preachers. He didn't change his first name. He wanted to hold on to his identity. No, I didn't change it. The only thing I changed was my middle name. You know, like part of the family, so, you know, you can you can have the same name as we got. You can use it for your middle name, because I didn't want to change my first name. I mentioned to Todd that Lawan had adopted one of his undercover names from a local drug dealer. It seems significant to me. It seems significant to Todd also, but for different reasons. Well, I know the name Andre Miller because he was like a famous basketball player. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a famous NBA player. Oh, is he fucking me? Is he flying to me about Andre Miller being uh, a drug dealer from Newark? Andre Miller is one of the most accomplished point guards. He played for like New- for the Nets. I think he played. He definitely played for Denver. We fact check our reporting as a regular part of our process. This episode has been particularly challenging, in part because of the nature of undercover work. So we asked Lawan for documentation. We've verified information through public records requests, and we've pulled court docs. We've looked into it. There were a few things I could not verify, and so I called Luan to clarify a few things. Well, so, so help me understand one other thing. So, so um, do, do you watch college basketball? I do occasionally. So did you watch college basketball in, in 95 or 99? Uh, no, I wasn't in like college basketball. Uh-uh. No. Why, what happened? Uh-uh. Okay, because, because Todd got me wondering if you were trying to spin me on the undercover name. Because apparently there's a very talented basketball player who was playing for Utah and and is like a pro ball player now named Andre Miller. Really? Had no clue. Had no clue. Really? No. No. Had no clue. Mm Mm-mm. Really. And one other thing. And then the other thing was that um, your conviction for furnishing a weapon to a felon is a, is a Class B felony in Arkansas. So, so do I understand correctly that that makes you a felon, and as a felon, that you're not legally allowed to obtain firearms? Is that your Absolutely. Understanding? And I am not supposed to have a firearm. But there will never be a time when you would catch me without one. That's just a charge that I'm willing to... Deal with. He's not an Uber driver anymore, which, considering that he always had a gun tucked under the driver's seat, you know, probably a good thing. He's living in the Midwest now, and he owns a little shop. Appreciate it. Come on back now, all right? 
They resell Gucci bags and sneakers. And just like when he was undercover, he is delighted if people think he's a drug dealer. You know, you couldn't convince a lot of these guys, the little youngsters that come in here, that if you was to tell them that, you know, I, I was Pablo Escobar, they might believe it. You know, because they, they, they would never believe that I'm, I was a cop. You know, that's not the persona that I give off. That's not the persona I want to give off, you know, because I want them to come in here and buy. And for our next episode, we've got another story of deception and lies. This time, it's the story of one man determined to expose liars and catch cheaters with tragic consequences. What happened to Frank could happen to anyone, and you have no one to call. There is no 911. There are no laws that really will help you. That's coming up on Lies We Tell. From Luminary Media and Jigsaw Productions, Lies We Tell is produced in association with Story Mechanics. Our producers are Claire Sloan Vance, Brenna Farrell, associate producers Sophie Behrman and Tessa Kramer. We had help this episode from Todd Whitney and Camille Peterson. Our interns are Silver Lifton and Ali Einberg. Our executive producers are Ellen Horn, Stacey Offman, Richard Perello, Joey Mara, and John Schmidt. Original score and mixing by Story Mechanics. Our composer is Darren Gray. Our sound engineers are Charles Michelet and Mike Cruz. Special thanks to Beth Schneebalk, Jamie Lines, Matt Sachs, and Kenzie Wilbur. I'm Alex Gibney, and this is Lies We Tell. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.